Hello everybody, this is Bunny with Trans Heart Studios, and welcome to Trans Heart to Heart. So, today I want to talk to you guys about my experience with being in a cult. Now, mind you, um, this is kind of a harder topic for me to talk about, but it is something that happened, and... I just want you guys to know that this particular group, uh, while they weren't inherently, well, they were manipulative, so I guess they were abusive, but they targeted children, and I was a child at the time whenever I was uh, inducted into this uh, cult. So. To begin, I was young and I didn't like being at home. Um, wasn't the most pleasant place for me to be, so I would often tell my parents I was going to a friend's, one friend or another's, and uh, give me a moment while I turn this volume down a little bit. There we go. Anyway, I spent a lot of time telling my parents that I was at such and such's house, and often, more often than I'd like to admit, I was not there. I would go and I would find somewhere to sleep, and I would stay there, um, whether it was sleeping under a bridge, or in a gutter somewhere, whatever. But I remember when my experience with this cult started. And it started in a good place. Sort of. I was in a really bad way. I couldn't find friends to stay with, and it was snowing outside, which didn't happen a lot where I was living. And I I needed a place to sleep, even if just for a few minutes, and I didn't know the dangers of falling asleep in snow because of how rare it was where I lived. So I decided that I was going to sleep in a gutter like I'd done many times before, and I remember laying down now, granted, it was warmer that day, so I was in a hoodie and a pair of shorts and my sneakers and no socks. So, when I laid down in this gutter, knowing that there was snow on the ground, I knew that I was not going to get much sleep. That's all I knew. As I lay there, I could feel the snow hitting me, and, and I started noticing how it was sticking to my clothes and stuff like that. After a while, it was just, I remember it being really cold, and really, but I, I, I ran out of, I couldn't feel anything anymore. So, I was laying there, and I remember thinking to myself, you know, it's dark, and there's snow falling, and I remember thinking to myself, I'm gonna die here, because I can't move. Everything's too numb and it hurts too bad because of the cold. So, 
as I lay there, I remember seeing a big bright light and just kept getting closer and closer and I thought, ah, this is the this is the white light that everybody tells you about. It wasn't until it got close enough that I realized there was actually two lights. It was headlights from somebody's vehicle. Now, I don't remember seeing anybody, but I do remember um, seeing somebody's hands reach down and pick me up out of the snow. I remember the tattoo on their arm, um, which was a combination of like flowers and tribal flames and it was something else just to just to see because that combination I've never seen on somebody that was I guess masculine I, I I could only very vaguely remember them talking to a lady and then I remember them putting me in the back of their truck specifically in the back cab of their truck because it was a um cab to truck, I guess, is, is the way I would put that, and I remember them putting me in the back of the truck, and that's the last thing I remember, I remember feeling the warm hit me, and everything hurting, and then I just, I don't know if I passed out or if I fell asleep, I, I honestly have no clue, but that's when I woke up, you know, I woke up in this truck and I remember sitting up everything hurting and then a woman coming from a kitchen a really nice kitchen at that um, nicer than any house that I'd ever been in I remember coming her for coming from the kitchen with tea with a cup of tea in her hand and I remember her coming in there and giving me tea and wrapping me up in the blanket going are you okay and I was like yeah, I'm definitely in heaven, or this is some weird trick in hell, I don't know. Because at the time, I was very religious, and I was like, because I knew I died. I, I just knew I died, and this is just how my brain was choosing to process the death, you know, or my spirit, or whatever have you. And this person proceeded to tell me that their name was Sherry, and I thought that was kind of funny, because, you know, at the time, um, Whenever I'd go out, I'd, I'd get drunk, <laughs> and um, I'd get drunk on Sherry because it was the cheapest thing in Walmart where I lived. So I thought for sure if I wasn't dead, I was in some kind of coma, and my brain had come up with the name Sherry from the Sherry that I had been drinking. But after a while, I realized that wasn't the case, and um, I remember being there, and there was this one girl that I ran around with that took care of me um, like I was her like younger sister or whatever and we had stayed at friends houses and stuff like that but I only knew her from the streets you know and then I remember her walking in and I remember us talking about a bunch of stuff and just having a good time and it's, it had been a long time since I'd been that happy they asked me if I knew where I lived, and I said, yeah, and I said, mostly on the streets, but I do go stay with my parents every once in a while. I didn't have the strength to tell them that I had problems at home. And all of this led up to, they were moving about with this 
to pl from place to place, and they were following this church for the most part. And they wanted me to go to this church, and when I went there, it was great. It was different from every other church that I'd been to. You know, I I was used to, oh God, oh holy, and I'm like, no, this place is different. They had a full drum kit, and their church choir was like rock music. I remember seeing this lady, and it just, to a T, keyed up what I thought was the most amazing, the most amazing church I'd ever been to. This lady was standing up front. She had to have been in her 70s, 80s. White hair, 10 piercings down her ears. There was a chain that ran from one from one piercing to another and into her nose and she was dressed like a biker chick and was tattooed all over the place and she was just dancing and singing in tongues and I was like I've never been to a church like this this is actually pretty fun so it wasn't until a few weeks later that um, I started getting kind of brainwashed by this cult and how it happened was they locked me in a room and subjected me to a book, um, which I'm sure a lot of people who hear my voice will know this book from the movie adaptation. It is known as The Shed. And I was forced to listen to this, and how they did this was they, they locked me in a room and turned on this audiobook and proceeded to have me listen to this audiobook over the course of a couple of days. And they'd buy me lunch, and of course, me being a street cretin or a hood rat or whatever you want to call it I didn't get much food so like when they were offering me food I was like yeah no I'll, I'll listen to your book if it means I can get subway every day and they respected my vegetarianism which was another thing my parents could never get behind and you know all of that being said I was I was happy to be there and the more I listened to this book the more I thought this had to have been a true story because they didn't tell me any different and I was very naive and it was yeah it was very different and I liked it and I remember they would take me places they would take me places they would teach me things and we would it, it was great it was perfect and one day I went to this place and they had all of us teenagers and kids like together and they bring us into the into the main you know auditorium area whatever you call it you know where the pulpit is and all that and I go into this place and I remember sitting down on the stage and they were having us watch this movie on this massive screen that they had and they told they, they showed us this video of kids in Uganda and I remember it to this day. I remember the looks on the little girl's face. I remember the boys pointing guns at each other. I remember the exact content of this. And this was, there were kids. There were kids. There were children younger than me at the time. They weren't even teenagers. They were, they were four-year-olds, six-year-olds, 10-year-olds, 13-year-olds, you know. And I'm watching this and I'm going, oh my God, this is happening? Like now? This is happening now? And they were like, yes, unfortunately, this is happening now. But there are ways that we can help. And they started asking us to, um, however we can, however God spoke to us to do it, 
get money for these kids. And we did it. But n not the ways you would think, and they pretty much condoned us doing it. They, they, they in fact, would... Some of the wording and the things that they said now uh, ring true with me because I realize that they chose to say things in ways that made it sound like, oh, we're not saying you should steal from your parents, but you should steal from your parents. And that's what people did. I remember I, I had jacked $20 and some jewelry from my parents and, and brought it to the church. And I remember... Um, some of the kids were selling drugs to other kids to be able to get the money to be able to save these other kids all the way in Uganda. But they didn't even know. There were, there were kids that were giving away their parents' vehicles to the church as a way to donate to the church's causes to be able to earn, quote-unquote, earn money so that they could help these kids in Uganda. It was all about these kids in Uganda. It wasn't until later on down the line that I realized that they were a cult because I was naive. I really was. And I was so enamored by everything that was going on and all the quote unquote good that they were doing to realize you don't lock people in rooms and, and force them to learn about God or whatever belief you have. You don't you don't you don't tell people that that, that stealing and, and, and giving away things that aren't yours is okay. You don't do these things. You just don't. And I remember thinking back then that I was doing some kind of righteous work. And it was only after they had abandoned me that I, and I, got, I felt slated by them doing this. They took my friend off in left field. They took a bunch of my friends off in left field. They took off with kids that parents still to this day don't know where they went. And I was so slated about it that I was able to open my eyes enough to see what they were doing. Granted, years down the road. And I still to this day, for whatever reason, when I get to, into a hard place, between a, whenever I get to, between a rock and a hard place, I'll go online and I'll look them up and I will see what they are doing and think to myself, God's house, yeah, that's what you are. Unfortunately, that's all the time I have for this episode. But if you guys would like a part two, please, by all means, go to my go to my Facebook or comments on whatever platform you're using. I'm sure I will get messages about it. And I will come back and do a part two where I will let you guys know whatever you guys want to know about this topic. If you're within the sound of my voice, please, please support my content creation by going to... Um, patreon.com forward slash transheart studios and becoming a patron if you if you would rather you can also go to my website at www.transheartcreations.square.site 
and buy my merch or donate there. Also, if you don't have the funds to be able to support this this podcast or any of my creative endeavors, just share it. Get this out there. Let people know that somebody's out here talking about these subjects, hard subjects or not. And as always, thank you for listening. Goodbye.